You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. Good to see all of you this morning. If you are new with us, we want to just especially... Welcome you here. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church. And again, thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Today we are in part number three of a five-week message series we have entitled Pray Like Jesus. And we're learning how to pray like Jesus. We're learning uh, Jesus' prayers and how his prayers should impact our prayer life. And if you were with us last week, you might remember this. Uh, One of my big ideas for the message was this, is that we pray by the Spirit through the Son and to the Father. We pray by the Spirit through the Son and to the Father. In other words, we pray empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God empowers us, gives us the words, gives us life to pray. We pray through Jesus. Why? Well, because Jesus is our mediator is what the scripture tells us. Jesus is our intercessor. We lay our requests to God, but Jesus has already been praying for us, which is totally amazing, by the way. And then finally, we pray to the Father. And we talked about the importance of knowing God as our heavenly Father, that uh, whatever type of earthly father you may have had, maybe he was absent, maybe he was abusive, maybe he hurt you in some way, spiritually, emotionally, maybe he was a, a spiritual father even. We call this father wounds in week number one. And guess what? Every one of us have it. Why? Because we know there is no such thing as a perfect earthly father. That means somewhere along the lines we've been wounded. And as we begin to forgive our earthly fathers, we can receive the love of our heavenly father And this morning, we are going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We know this as the Lord's Prayer. And um, maybe you grew up reciting this prayer. You've got it memorized. And I grew up a a Catholic. I don't know if you have any other former Catholic brothers or sisters in here. This was one of the, the, the first prayers I memorized as a child. And so perhaps that's your story. But interestingly enough... Did you know that sometimes this prayer is actually called the disciples' prayer? Sometimes this prayer is called the disciples' prayer. Why is that? Well, simply because of this. It was meant for disciples. It was meant for all of us. It's not really meant for Jesus. It was meant for us and and, and to pray this prayer. But let me say this. The point of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer was never to just sort of have us mindlessly recite or pray this prayer. Now, if you've memorized the Lord's Prayer and you say this daily or nightly, let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with that. That, That's all good. Like, that's great that you do that. But Jesus was actually trying to give us a model of how to pray, a model for disciples and for believers. He wasn't necessarily dealing with what to pray, but how to pray. And so this morning, maybe you grew up like I did. I I grew up memorizing the Lord's Prayer. However, I never really understood its significance, like what it meant. I just sort of recited it and and said it over and over and over again, and it didn't really mean a whole lot to me. 
Well, this morning we're going to analyze and examine those different components of the Lord's Prayer. And here's what I want to say. The last thing I want this to be is some sort of dry academic exercise. Uh, we're learning how to pray like Jesus' first disciples learned how to pray, and I hope that it impacts your heart. And so this morning, let's go ahead and do that. Let's start uh, by acknowledging how amazing our Heavenly Father is, and let's ask Him to move in our hearts as we uh, open His Word. God, we love you, and we're so grateful to be in your presence. We, we sang that this morning, that you were the way maker, God, um, and you stirred up our faith. You stirred up the faith of your people. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to do that this morning as we open your word. We pray that you might challenge us, convict us, um, lead us, guide us, give us a direction. Uh, Lord, give us clarity. Lord, encourage those who are uh, brokenhearted. God, bring healing physically and emotionally to your people this morning, God. Uh, and we pray that we might uh, obey your word, God. So give us the courage to do that this morning. Spirit, have your way in our hearts. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, if you have a Bible, I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to actually start before the traditional Lord's Prayer. We're going to start in verse number 5. Because I want to give you a context of really the full prayer uh, that Jesus is referring to here. And this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Jesus' most famous sermon, you can read all of it yourself. It is incredibly uh, challenging. It will confront um, all of your sort of assumptions about faith and uh, religion. I mean, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter in the Sermon on the Mount. But in this section, uh, we're going to look at Jesus' focus on the topic of prayer and I want you to join me. We're going to read from 5 to 14 so we can get the, the full picture of it. And then we'll begin dialoguing and talking about the different parts. So let's uh, check out verse number 5 all the way through 14. It says this. Jesus speaking, by the way. And when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, because prayer should be a part of our lives. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what, you're, what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. And here we go. He's going to give us instruction, Jesus. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Finally, verse 14 and 15 here. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. In verse number 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, Jesus, again, is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And the topic, of course, is 
prayer, and I want you to notice how Jesus begins here. Because before Jesus is going to show us and, and teach us how to pray, Jesus first begins by showing or explaining how not to pray. And so I want you to notice, let's look at verse number 5 again as we sort of examine this prayer. It says this, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Who are these hypocrites that Jesus is referring to here in verse number 5? Jesus is referring to the religious rulers of that day, Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Jesus is calling them out. He's calling them religious hypocrites. And so Jesus is explaining to the people there who are listening to him, he's saying, listen, don't be like these guys over here, right? Maybe they were in the distance. Who knows? Don't be like those guys over there praying right now. Don't be like the hypocrites. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which is common day Greek. It's actually a language. It's, it's, it's an old language, a dead language. And this word hypocrites actually literally means an actor under an assumed character. Or in other words, we can simply think of it like this, pretending to be someone who you're not, right? Pretending to be someone who you are not. And these religious rulers, these Pharisees, were pretending to be someone they were not. They were pretending to know God intimately and have a, an intimate and a close relationship when in reality they didn't have an intimate, close relationship with God. They, they didn't know God. You see, these religious rulers had a religious veneer or exterior to themselves, but they had a cold heart in reality towards God. Religious exterior, but a cold heart towards God. And I, I want to say this, that it's important to know that, that Jesus is not prohibiting all public prayer, just so you know, okay? Like if you pray with other people publicly, that's, that's not a bad thing. We're going to do that in another week and a half or so at the National Day of Prayer. We're going to pray out loud. We're going to pray in front of other people. And that's all fine. That's all dandy. And Jesus is not saying or, or not trying to prohibit that. But I think what he's alluding here is, this, is that there's a subtle temptation that when you pray in front of other people, there is a subtle temptation to make yourself look more pious, more spiritual than you actually are, right? There's a temptation for all of us. And Jesus is saying, listen, some people pray. The only reason they pray is so that they can be seen by others. The motive, the heart motive, Jesus is saying, that is what I'm trying to get at and that is wrong. The Pharisees have it all wrong. You see, some people, they, they pray and they're at the corner of Wilder and Euclid and they're like making elaborate, I mean, they're making a show out of it and, you know, using the big Hebrew words like Shekinah and Elohim and all these big, you know, whatever it is, and they're making a big show and all the attention is directed on themselves, right? And maybe other people have gathered around them and they're like, wow, look at him pray. Wow, look at her pray. Did you hear her pray? Wow, she's awesome, right? And other people may be impressed, but God might not be impressed. Other people might say, wow, look at him. Look at her. And God might be saying, that doesn't really impress me. You're not 
you're not, you know, you're kind of showing off right now. You, you should stop. It's kind of embarrassing, right? And Jesus is trying to get to the heart of the matter. Let me say it this way. Prayer is not for the applause of the many, but for the approval of the one, right? Prayer is not for the applause of the many. Oh, look at Pastor Marco. Woo! No, that's not what we're doing here, right? Look at the band. Oh, the band. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not, that'd be awkward for Adam anyways, right? He doesn't want that. We don't want that. We're, we're not looking for applause. Prayer, worship is for him. It's all about him, right? Lifting up the name of Jesus, right? And so when we pray out loud, we just have to ask ourselves, am I trying to impress God more or am I trying to impress other people more? What, what's the heart? And, and, and let me say this. Prayer is not trying to prove how pious we are, but prayer is pouring out our heart to God. That's what prayer is all about. And if the only time you pray is in front of others, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's a disconnect. Something is not right in your relationship. There's, a, there's, there's an element there. It's not, it's not right. I'll say it this way. In prayer, we take God seriously, but not ourselves, okay? In prayer, we take God seriously, but not ourselves. And we're going to keep going. And in just a few moments, we're going to look at verse 6. And so Jesus is saying, listen, um, don't pray like these guys, okay? But let me give you the right way to pray. Look at verse 6, you guys. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father. And there it is again, father, or pater in the Greek, who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret, in secret, right, that's, we should emphasize that, will reward you. Your father who sees what is done in secret. And so I love what Jesus is saying here. He says, when you pray, go into your room. And, and um, as I looked um, sort of in the, in the background or what this word room meant, in the Greek, this, this word room actually is referring to an inner chamber or a uh, storage room. Now, let me just kind of give you some context here. In the first century Greco-Roman culture, um, as I did a little bit of study on this, homes in that time didn't have any doors on them. And so there was no such thing as a private room, okay? And in fact, if they did have doors, they were made out of cloth, and you could just simply, you know, move it out of the way and then enter into that room. Now, there was a place, though, an inner room or an inner chamber or a storage room that actually had a door. This was the only door, in fact, in the house that had a, a legit door that you could actually close. So the word that Jesus is using here is he's referring to this storage room. He's saying if you really want to cultivate a prayer life, if you really want to know who your father in heaven is, well, don't do it in public. Don't make that the only time you pray. Do it in private where, guess what, no one will see you. You can't show off. You, you, you can't make it all about yourself. You can't necessarily use big words to impress other people. No one will see you, but your father will. Your heavenly Father will. And guess what? That's what counts, right? That's what counts. Um, some of you remember uh, the, the movie War Room. Have any War Room fans in here, right? A few, few people. Right? Um, um, and it's a good movie. And I'm a little skeptical when it comes to Christian movies. But I, I enjoyed the movie. Like, I, I legitimately enjoyed the movie. May have shed a tear. I would not admit that if I did, though. And um, in this movie, though, War Room, the main actress... 
Her name is Elizabeth, and she's played by uh, Priscilla uh, Shire. And um, she is essentially encouraged. Her marriage is falling apart. If you haven't watched the movie, don't worry. I'm not, it's not really a spoiler alert, so don't worry. But her marriage is, is falling apart, and she doesn't really consider herself to be a person of prayer until she meets an older woman, a sweet older woman, affectionately goes by Miss Clara. And Miss Clara is passionate about prayer, and so she teaches Elizabeth how to pray and how to be passionate. And so Elizabeth goes home, and she literally takes this closet or storage room um, I can't remember quite what it was, and she converts it into a prayer closet or what we call, or what she calls the war room, right? The war room, and that's where she learns how to do battle, how to fight in prayer. So she goes there daily to the war room, and then uh, I won't tell you how it ends or whatnot, but listen, we see God do the miraculous through her prayers, through this room, and this is the idea that Jesus is actually getting at. He said, go to that room, close the door, right? Do it in private. It's not necessarily about other people. It's not to make a show of yourself. It's not to bring glory to yourself, right? To make your name great. No, 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 no. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to make his name great. And if you really want to cultivate a prayer life, do it in private. Do it where no one sees you, where no one can hear you even, okay? So it's not a show, This is what Jesus is referring to. Let's keep going in verse number 7. Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because, and that's the key word there, because of their many words. Do not be like them. This is repeated. Did you notice here? Jesus is like, don't be like those guys and don't be like these guys. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't be like the pagans. Literally, what Jesus is referring here is the Gentiles. That's actually what he's saying. Don't be like the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles are simply those people who are what? They're outside, first century sort of Jewish context, outside of the promises of God, right? They're non-Jews. Now, here's the thing. We are included. We are adopted into the family because of who? Because of because of Jesus, because Jesus paid our debt, we are, you know, we are, we're in the family. However, Jesus is referring to those individuals who do not know God, and they, they don't have the covenant promises of God. And Jesus is saying those types of people, they pray these sort of repetitious prayer. It's just babbling. It's not really, um, it's more like an incantation than anything else. And Jesus is saying what they do is they just repeat the same thing over and over and over again because they think, that they'll be heard because of that. They think that their prayers will, will be more efficacious because they're just sort of saying the same thing over and over and over again. And Jesus tells his disciples or, or tells the crowd, hey, listen, that, you don't have to just babble on. You don't have to say the same thing over and over again. You already have the attention of your heavenly father. Right? So you don't have to beg for it, which is really good news for us, right? We don't have to... Uh, we don't have to beg for our, our Heavenly Father's attention. I know, listen, parents, I'm just speaking to parents for just a moment. Listen, I get it. Your patience runs out with your kids, okay? <laughs> it's like, oh, right? What do you want? But your Heavenly Father, his patience never runs out. Isn't that good? Isn't that amazing? My patience runs out, right? My, my wife's patience, I mean, she's amazing. She's a great wife. But her patience runs out. Why? Because she's a human, okay? <laughs> and our patience, it just runs out. 
but our Heavenly Father always has time for us. He always makes time for us, and we don't have to beg for his attention. Isn't that good? Gosh, we don't have to beg for our Heavenly Father's attention. Somebody agrees with me. I love that. Verse number 9. We're going to shift things a little bit. How should we pray, Jesus? Well, look at verse number 9. This, then, is how you should pray. It says this, our Father in heaven. Now, let me just pause there. You can leave that verse up. But let me just say this, our Father in heaven. I I think this is a good reminder for all of us to, to simply remember who we're praying to. Our Father in heaven. Is, we, and we, we forget this. I forget this. You forget this. We all do this. But don't forget who you're praying to. Sometimes we feel like we do have to beg, like we do have to cry out. And, and I get that because of our emotion. But remember that you're praying to your heavenly Father, the God of all creation, created the heavens and the earth, right? He's not your homie. Um, he's not your pal. He's not your chum. Like He is king of the universe. It's just a reminder. I think Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes. He says that uh, God is in heaven and we are on earth, so let your words be few. It's this idea of like reverence and humility. Just, re- just, just be reminded who you're praying to, right? He is king of the universe. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven. So how should we pray? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Number one, here's how we should pray. We should begin like this. Emphasize the greatness of God. We begin our prayers by emphasizing the greatness of God. Now let me just say this simply one quick, one last time. I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse with this, but just let, let me just say it one more time. Jesus says, Father. He is our heavenly Father. He's a good, good Father. Again, he loves us. He's interested in us. He always has time for us. We don't have to beg for his attention. Um, Our patience runs out. His patience never runs out. So listen, whatever experience that you had with an earthly father, my prayer is that you will begin to forgive your earthly father or, or, or a spiritual father maybe. Maybe it was another pastor, a priest in town. Whatever it is, whatever sort of history you have in, the, in church life, as you begin to, to, to forgive your earthly father, you'll begin to receive and return your heavenly Father's love. Amen? So let me just say that. Listen, so let me point this out here in verse number 9 and number 10. I want you to notice that Jesus uses three yours. Three yours. Let me point that out. Your name, your kingdom, your will. Your name, your kingdom, your will. Three wills. I want you to notice that the emphasis is not on us, okay? The emphasis is not on us. I know that's, that's kind of like, that, that's normally what we go to. There's nothing wrong with that, really. But Jesus is trying to teach us a new way to pray, by the way. He's, he's, this is a model prayer. Your kingdom, your name, right, and your will. And here's the thing. We often, I mean, this is important because we often storm into our prayer closet and we just sort of like have this list, like a scroll, right? It's like a, it's like an old, it's like a Hebrew scroll. Just right. Here's my, my desires, my wants, my wishes. And listen, there is a place for that. I promise you, there is a place for that. Sometimes we just forget to say hi to God. It's like we're like, good afternoon, God. No, God, I need this, right? 
And listen, there is a, there's a time for that. I get it. And there are moments in our lives. That's what we got to do. And I'm, I get it. It's all good, okay? It's all good. But listen, let me just remind you that this, prayer is not just about making our requests, but surrendering our will, okay? And prayer is not just about making our requests, but surrendering our will. And we, we have to be reminded of this because, listen, I do the same thing you do. I storm in with all my requests. And Jesus is saying, listen, how about you begin by emphasizing the greatness of God? Your kingdom, right? Your name. So when we pray, actually what we're asking God to do is we're saying, God, we want your name to be hallowed. What's that mean? It means to be, to be, to be made holy, to be revered in our churches, in our nation. Right now in our nation, the name of God is not being hallowed, okay? God, God's saying, listen, we need to pray that God, that your name be hallowed. And then he says that your kingdom, that the kingdom of God, what does that mean? It's not actually a location, Okay. It's not a location. It's the, the rule and the reign of God. Okay? It's the rule and the reign of God. What is, Jesus is saying we should pray that God's rule and reign, as it's done in heaven, should come down to the earth. So his rule and reign would come here to the earth. And then what? Then your, his will. The, the will of God is always done perfectly in heaven. God, your will be done on earth here in Bay City as it is in heaven. It's always done perfectly in heaven. So we should be praying, God, I want your will. God, would your will be done in Radiant Church? Man, what would that look like if God's will is fully done in our church? Gosh, that would be just amazing, right? And, and again, we sometimes forget to do this, but when we pray these things or we pray in this nature, I think Jesus is trying to say, hey, everything else kind of is going to work itself out in some sense. Because think of this. Um, I love it. Uh, I love it when my kids come up to me um, and they just want to be with me. Now, most of the time they want something, okay? All right, now, I don't care how old your kids are. It's like, Dad, give me graham crackers. Dad, maybe it's for you. It's like, Dad, I need 20 bucks. Um, Dad, can I have the keys of the car? Uh, Dad, I need this. Dad, I want that. Dad, can I have this, right? And like, but parents, can I, again, isn't it amazing when your kids just want to come, like, be with you? I like, just want to spend time with you. Like, how cool is that? Like, what do you want? Nothing. I just want to be with you. You're like, oh, I'm like I love you so much. Like, I, I just, I can't. Right? I'm serious. Like, my son Ezra has done that before. I'm just like, dude, like, you're going to make me cry. That's like, he's like, I just want to snuggle. Well, yeah, I do too. Let's snuggle. Like, that's amazing, right, when our kids just want to come and be with us. And I think maybe Jesus is trying to sh- Show us something. What if, what if we, when we pray, again, it's, we can ask for stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if we just say, God, you're awesome. You're great. Your kingdom, we want it here. God, your will in our city, in our nation, God, in our world. What if we just said, what if we just emphasize the greatness of God? How else do we pray? Let's keep going. Verse number 11. He says this, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So number two, here's what we do. We ask for God's provision and declare our dependence. Ask for God's provision and declare our dependence. Now, this verse sort of harkens back to the days of Exodus when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they would sort of crawl out of their tents each and every morning and then they would collect the manna for, guess what, that day. It's the same sort of language and this is, this is the point of the prayer, by the way, is that they would, that these Jews would remember the Exodus event and their time in the wilderness. Now, here's the thing. I think for, for, for most of us, and I say most, 
This is a little hard. This is a bit difficult to understand. And the reason is, is because I think for most of us, like, we don't have to worry about our next meal. In fact, for some of us, and I'm not going to say any names, we should be skipping some meals. You know what I'm saying, right? We're not worried about the next. I'm just a joke. Come on, right? Me too, all right? And so listen, most of us aren't really worried about where our next meal is going to come from. In fact, my guess is this. This is going to like, this is going to blow your mind. But my guess is this, is that some of you, you have a freezer in a garage or in a basement. And that freezer has meat and venison and turkey and pizza rolls and whatever it is, you have so much. I mean, some of you are, you have so much food stored. I mean, you are ready for the apocalypse or the purge. Whatever happens first, okay? <laughs> whatever happens first. Like, you're ready for that day. But here's what I want to say, and don't watch that movie. It's like a bad train wreck. You can't keep your eyes off of it. Here's my, here's, here's my point. My point is this, is that the people in that day and age, listen, they didn't have the commodities that we have, right? No refrigerators, no microwaves, no freezers, no canned goods, no pizza rolls. My God, what, that's a, that, is, that is hard, right? They were suffering. They didn't have those things. So listen, for them, there was much more temptation to what? To worry about their next meal. And so Jesus is saying, listen, be reminded that you are what? You're dependent upon God. Notice what uh, Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 says. It says this. Keep falsehood and lies from me. This is an amazing prayer. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Oh, that's hard for Westerners to say, isn't it? Neither poverty nor riches, but give me, give me, give me only my what? What's it say there? Daily bread. Huh. Sounds that's that's interesting, isn't it? Daily bread. Let's keep going. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become, or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of my God. And Proverbs, this prayer, right? This prayer, God, don't give me a too little, but don't give me too much. God, if I have too much, I might just forget about you because well, I got too much. And I, I, I don't really need you. Why? Because I got a lot of money in the bank and I got cars and I got all this stuff. And, and I got stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm good. We might forget. But, but, but God, don't, don't give me poverty either. I, really, I don't want to be poor because I might have to steal to get food, and, and that would dishonor your name. But God, would you just give me my daily bread? Just, like, what do I need today? Right. Ask for God's provision. Declare our dependence upon him. Verse number 12, let's keep going. The next part of our prayer, Jesus says this, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So number three, the next part of our prayer is this. As we pray for ongoing forgiveness. Pray for ongoing forgiveness. So notice what Jesus says. <clears throat> We're asking God to forgive us for our sins. We're confessing our sins to him, right? Confession does lead to healing, by the way. So we confess our sins, but we should also be what? Forgiving others. There's, there's two parts of it. Now, there's, there's one, one of the parts that we like better, and, and I, I think you can guess which one that is, right? Notice what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, 2. He says this, be kind and compassionate to one another. He says this, forgiving each other. And then notice the next phrase, just as in Christ, God forgave you. 
Paul is trying to say to us, I think Jesus is saying to us the same thing, that we, we don't forgive other people because they deserve it. We forgive other people because God in Christ has forgiven us. Because I, I know what you're saying, Mark, Marco, they don't deserve it. If you knew what she did, if you knew how she talked behind my back, if you knew how he treated her, if you knew the things they did, and the list can go on and on and on. And we all have our reasons to hold grudges and to withhold forgiveness. And we continually must be reminded that we're, we're forgiving each other. We're not just asking for forgiveness. We're also forgiving those who've sinned against us, those who have hurt us. Here's the deal. We had a debt to pay, and it was a great debt. We couldn't pay it, though. It was so great that we couldn't pay it. And Jesus steps in. What does he do? He pays it by giving us his life, right? His life in exchange for our life, right? He gives us freedom. He pays the debt we could not pay. So in light of the forgiveness of Christ, we must forgive others. So let me just ask you a question, and you can think about this. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is it a boss? Is it an ex-girlfriend? Is it a spouse? Is it your ex-husband? I mean, who do you need to forgive? I mean, maybe there's someone you need to forgive. And let me just say this about forgiveness so we're not confused. I think some of us think, well, if I forgive her and him, or they hurt me, they legitimately hurt me. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that the relationship is supposed to go back exactly the way it used to be. Okay? Well, some people, yes, have hurt you physically. It's not safe to be in that relationship. You should no longer be in that relationship. But you should forgive them. Some people have abused you, abused you emotionally. So it's not safe for you to go back to that relationship exactly the way it used to be. No, it's not safe for you to do that. It's unwise. But you should still forgive them. Make sense? Forgiveness doesn't mean things always go back exactly the way they were. Verse number 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And number four, let's look at this list, what we have for our prayers, right? We're emphasizing the greatness of God, asking for God's provision, declaring our dependence. We pray for ongoing forgiveness. And number four here, pray against temptation. Pray against temptation. The, the truth of the matter is that all of us have weak spots. and We all have blind spots, areas that we're weak, that it's likely that we will fall into temptation, will fall into sin. We all have appetites. We have appetites like food and, and sex and lust and money and material possessions and and lying, and cheating, whatever it might be, all of us have these appetites. And what we should be doing is we should be praying that God would satisfy these appetites in a godly way, not a sinful way. We should also be praying that God would save us or protect us from sort of uh, the, the people, the places, and the things that would make us sin. What, what this is is an offensive prayer. In other words, don't wait until you've already sinned to pray. Ask God to keep you faithful. Ask God to keep you faithful. God, keep me from sin. Think about a blind spot. I was backing out of my driveway. I think I told you guys this before. I was backing out of my driveway, and I looked in the rear view, looked in the 
the camera, you know, I try to do that whole nine yards. But, you know, when you're in a hurry, you're in a hurry. So I back out, and all of a sudden, like, I see this guy on a bike, like, out of nowhere. He's, like, two feet away from my car. He goes by, and he gives me the dirtiest look. I'm like, hey. <laughs> I'm like, I almost hit him is what the deal was there. And I was like, I felt so bad. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that I hit this guy, right? Here's my point. It was a blind spot. I couldn't see. And unless we have God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit revealed to us our blind spots, unless we have good friends who we love, who we trust, reveal our blind spots, we, we, we won't know. We won't know where we're, where we're most tempted, where we are weak. And all of us have these blind spots. Notice how David prays, and this is worth memorizing. Psalm 19, 13, David says this, Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they, may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. I love what David says here, right? David prays, God, uh, uh, keep me faithful. Keep me from those willful sins, those deliberate, those intentional sins. The sins that you know I want to just sort of dive right into, those sins, yeah. Keep me from those because you know the flesh is weak. May they not rule over me. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless. I'll be innocent of great transgression. I love this prayer. In fact, I've prayed this prayer myself before. God, keep me faithful. And again, this is a type of offensive prayer that Jesus is recommending, right? Finally, let's look at verse number 14. We'll wrap this up in just a few more minutes. We're going to go back to the topic of forgiveness, and I, I just want to warn all of you, this is a, this is, this is a bit heavy, um, it's, it's challenging, it's a tough pill to swallow, but look at verse 14 and 15 with me. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay, that's good news, right? Verse number 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's, yeah, but wait a second. Wait, what translation are you reading, Marco? That's, I don't remember that part in there. Wait a second. Is that like one of those paraphrases? Can we look at something else, Pastor Marco? Let me just read it to you again, verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If we refuse, listen. Refuse to, to forgive others. Listen, our Heavenly Father will not forgive our sins. Now, I get it. Some of you are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, don't, I don't like that part. I don't like that verse. Flies in the face of sort of individuality or Western, Western individualism, I should say. We often care. Here's what I've discovered about Christianity is that we often, we, we care a lot about our relationship with God, right? We care a lot about this. We don't care as much about this, our relationship with other people. We're concerned that this is good. We're not always that concerned that this is good, though. So if she's mad at me and he doesn't like me and I'm offended him, it's like, whatever. I don't care. God, I love you, though. You and me are good, though, right? But here's the thing. You know what that makes us? That makes us what we talked about in the first verse, I think it was verse 5, it makes us hypocrites. 
Let me say it like this. We must be willing to focus more on the work God is doing in us and less on the work God is doing in others. <sighs> we should be more concerned about the work God is doing within our own hearts and less concerned about how I can fix you and you can fix me. I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I, no, wait, hold it. <laughs> like, I know. But you see, we often get this backwards, don't we? God, you, should, you need to fix them, though. God, you, if, if she saw it my way, it'd be, it'd be different. God, if everybody thought like me, oh, man, we'd be good to go. Amen, right? <laughs> Somebody just admitted it. Amen for that, right? Confession, brother. Come on, confession. <laughs> God, you should really correct that person. She's so full of herself. Here's the truth about it, though. When I see me as I truly am, when I, when I see me as I truly am, I am better positioned to love you in spite of our differences. <laughs> when I see me, not you, me, as I truly am, broken, failed many times, made mistakes, said things I shouldn't have, reacted to things I shouldn't have reacted to, didn't do it in a healthy way, Got angry over here, shouldn't have got angry, said that. I shouldn't have said that either. When I can see myself as I truly am, I'm better positioned to what? To love you, to serve you. I don't have to correct you. I can actually just love you. And I know that's hard for a lot of us. I get it. This is sort of the essence of what Jesus is getting at in this prayer, right? This, this is what... Jesus is trying to get at. Listen, that if we are refusing to, to forgive other people, right, why should we be forgiven? And rather, here's what we should do. We should rather just say, God, how have I messed up in the last 24 hours? And then how, how is it that you've forgiven me? How is it that you show me mercy? How is it that you continually show me grace? I don't deserve this. Who am I to receive the grace of God in Jesus Christ? Who am I to receive forgiveness? Who am I that Jesus would lay his life down for me? Who am I that he would shed his blood on the cross for me? And we have, we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I, withholding, am I withholding what I've freely been given? Am I withholding what I've freely been given. I think so often we all do this. this. I think this is the point of the Lord's prayer is that we often say, I need to get the log out of his eye and then I'll get the speck out of my eye. When in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, first what you must do is take the giant log <laughs> out of your own eye and then you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. Is there someone you need to forgive? so concerned about this, the vertical, but not always the horizontal. Perhaps we should pray that this morning. So let's do that this morning. Let's, let's pray this sort of outline that we prayed together. Let's, let's pray these points that we've talked about, and then we'll close our service. <sighs> Father, we begin by declaring your greatness. You are good, and you're mercy endures forever God you are king you are in heaven 
we are here on earth. And so, God, we're humbled by your presence this morning. And we declare that you are the great I am. We declare that there is no one like our King Jesus. We declare that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you are God Almighty. God, we, we ask you, God, for our daily bread, that you would neither give us poverty nor riches, God. God, that you would give us our daily bread and you would remind each and every one of us, no matter how much stuff we have, God, that we're dependent upon you. God, every single day, God, the next breath in our lungs, God, is because you say so. The next breath we take, God, is because you've ordained it, now, God, not because of us, God. God, would you keep us from temptation? Lord, would you keep us faithful, God? God, would you uh, just keep us from uh, people, places, and things, God, that would lure us into places where we might sin, into positions where we would do things that would compromise our integrity. God, keep us from temptation. Help us to resist it and stand strong in you. And finally, God, we ask that you would forgive us. God, forgive us our sin. And right now we choose not to look around. We, we choose not to look at everyone else's sin. God, we look at our own sin, God. We're broken. We're fallen. Maybe we're self-righteous. Maybe we're prideful. Maybe we have a giant ego. Maybe we have a huge log in our eyes, God. And Lord, we need forgiveness. Thank you for your steadfast mercy. And God, help us, empower our spirit to what? To forgive others. To freely give what we have been given. And that's forgiveness through the cross. Forgiveness through the sacrifice and the price that Jesus paid. God, would you allow us to forgive? Not because someone deserves it, but because you have freely forgiven us. So God, may your kingdom come. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for Jesus this morning.